Well, hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures Podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm with my gorgeous, <laughs> wonderful Disney family of wine-loving wife, Michelle. Ooh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so good to have you with us. He's not even going to respond to that one. I know. I'm just thinking wine, one of my best topics, favorite <laughs> topics, I should say. <laughs> so good to have you with us. We are recording this episode on Sunday, October 27th, 2019. It is Halloween week. How exciting. It right, is Michelle? exciting and a lot of fun things. I mean, it's a great time of the year. I mean, the weather and all the Halloween things. Mm -hmm. I just sounded really smart with that. You are really smart. (laughs) Maybe as we go, it'll pick up my brain. You are really smart. uh, You were focused on the wine. I threw you for a loop when I I talked about how much you love the wine and now you're thinking about, I'd really like a glass of wine I would. And thank you again for your kind compliments. It's so (laughs) sweet. (laughs) Delayed. You're awesome. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for joining us today. In the future, you can find us most everywhere you get podcasts. However, the best place to find us is on our own website, HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, please just take a second. There's all sorts of different pages where you can find it and it will even just pop up for you. Uh, just, Just sign up for our newsletter. It's really easy. You just need to give us your email address and then we'll keep you caught up on all the things we have going on uh, for each week. Right. And it's just, our, you know, don't worry about giving us your email. We're not going to share it with anybody. It's just our way of kind of sharing some things uh, about our podcast and some of the things that we have going on related to the podcast and get that out to you being the first ones to get that news. Yes. Uh, we want you to be on top of everything we're doing here at the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We have some exciting things going on already. We have some exciting things coming up here in the near future. We want mm-hmm. you to be the first to find out about it. The other ways to find out about it is by following us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And you can always email us if you want to like suggest a topic, ask us a question, just say hi, whatever the case may be. You can always email us at Hyperion Adventures Podcast at gmail.com. Right. And we really love hearing from people and getting your responses. And another way that you can share your feelings with us is with a review. Yes. You know, we really appreciate that. And we also tremendously appreciate when you tell a friend. Yes, we got a brand new review just this last week. And it was really nice from uh, one Dan who just sent us a really nice Nice. note. And he is now entered into our, our future contest that we have going on. And I'll get to that in more about that in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about what all we have coming up for you today. Uh, we have the final Rise of Skywalker trailer debuted this week. We'll talk a little bit about that. And the ticket sales were setting some small records for Star Wars. Well, that was very interesting this week as well. Uh, there are some New scenes based on the Rise of Skywalker headed to Star Tours. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we will also recap our night checking out Coco in concert with the San Diego Symphony. Yeah, all exciting topics. Right. Can't wait. Yes, me too. We'll get to all of that. But first, we want to go back to last week, kind of, and our last trivia, Harperian Adventures trivia game. Of course, we've been doing this every week. We've been giving away a little something every week to all of our wonderful listeners. And we had another great one this week. We were giving away this wonderfully themed Mickey Mouse D23 Expo exclusive collectible Disney store key. And we have a winner of that. That's exciting. Tell us who. It is Tony 
from oh. New Jersey. A little, <laughs> a little delayed on the drum roll there, but yes, Tony from New Jersey entered in. He actually Yay. has a double entry because he one answered the questions, but he's also given us a review in the past. So he was in her doubly. That probably gave him a much better right, chance of winning right, it. And yes, yes, he has won this wonderful key, and we will be contacting him to get him all his information and sending that out to you. So thank you, Tony, for entering. Yeah, and we also yes, congratulations. We have another giveaway for you this week. If you remember from the week prior, we gave away this wonderful uh, Nightmare Before Christmas themed water bottle. Mm-hmm. It is a really, really nice water bottle. I mean, it's supposed to keep hot things hot for up to 12 hours and cold things cold for up to 24 hours. It's That's a 20 plus ounce water bottle and it's got all this great uh, Nightmare Before Christmas theme on it. And we're giving, we have a second one of those. So we are going to be giving those away or excuse me, that one away this week as well. Right. And it Kind of fits in with our Halloween theme time of the year. It's a nightmare before Christmas theming. So, uh, yeah, you'll want to get into this one, into this contest, because this is a great prize. It is a really cool water bottle. And, yeah, it fits into, of course, Halloween is this week on Thursday. After we get past Thursday, well, we start moving forward. Yes, of course, there's Thanksgiving in the middle. But, really, we're moving towards Christmas right. after that. So, kind of fitting that this will kind of put right in the middle of this during this week. So, yeah, um, carry over. Yes. So, Michelle, tell people how they can win this great prize. Well, after the show, we will have a uh, very tiny three-question trivia contest that you can enter in. You can, uh, you'll be able to enter that first if you do sign up for our pod, our newsletter. Um, but we also, throughout the week, we'll send it out on social media mm-hmm. and just uh, submit your answers to that, and then you'll be entered into the drawing. And there's also a secondary way to be into the drawing. Yes, as we just said, Tony had two entries into this week. I helped his chances very much into why he won. <laughs> if you have either left us a review in the past or if you leave us a review in the future, you will get an automatic entry. All you need to do is tell us, look, I want to be involved in this giveaway or any giveaways going forward. And we will have your name in the hat every single week for whatever we are giving away uh, coming up in the future. So yeah, answer the questions. Uh, it's an open book test. It will give you the question through our newsletter. We'll also put them out there on social media, or you can always email us or, or direct message us on social media to get the questions. Listen to the show. And they're, they're very simply there'll be a code word there will be you know a couple easy questions we're not going to go really deep and to make it really difficult for you we want this to be fun for everybody and we'll have these great giveaways coming up here for the next several weeks until we run out of stuff to give away (laughs) or have to go shopping (laughs) or have to go shopping (laughs) exactly so i have the code word of today what is the code word today's code word is ego ego today's code word is Ego. Ego. Yes, I like that. Now, that will uh, reference into our main topic, which we're going to get to here in just a second. But I have one more thing I want to announce this week as well. We're going into November this week. And starting in November, we've had this idea of something that we've been wanting to do. And we're going to go ahead and put it into motion starting in November. We are going to start forming the Hyperion Adventures Hall of Fame. What is that? 
What is that? It's a harebrained idea that we had, <laughs> but yes. Uh, but here's the thing is what we're going to do. We are going to have four different categories that we are going to put in the Hyperion Adventures Hall of Fame, all relating to Disney films. So what they're going to be is they're going to be uh, Disney animated features, which includes Pixar. Uh, it's going to be Disney live action pictures. It's going to be Disney animated characters and Disney live action characters, okay? And what's going to happen through the month of November, I'm going to put out there for nominations through social media and through our newsletter and so forth, nominations for who should be in the Hall of Fame. And we're going to compile those up and then once we get those out, we're going to put out ballots in December and people are going to, we're going to put that out there. You can vote on these ballots picking, you know, however many out of, say it's a list of 20, you pick your favorite three or five out of 20 and those that receive 70% of the vote, this is going to be like the hall of fame for the NFL or major baseball or whatever the case may be. Those who receive 70% or higher of the votes are going to be inducted into the Hyperion Adventure Hall of Fame. Now that I've totally confused you, Michelle, please explain it a little better. <laughs> okay, we're going to have a list of categories. You get to nominate, vote, and then we have a Hall of Fame. Exactly. Exactly. That is well said, much more succinctly than I ever say anything. Well done, Michelle. Michelle always sums up everything I say very concisely and wonderfully. Oh, you're so sweet. It is going to be a fun thing. And then we really love uh, your interaction with this. I think you'll enjoy it too. And, you know, um, I know that there's a lot of things that come out with, you know, March Madness and brackets. And, you know, we felt like earlier in the year, let's do a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Everybody goes crazy in and around March with their March Madness brackets. And we love them. We have fun taking part in them as well. But we thought, you know, why jump in with that group because it's such a crowded space at that point uh let's kind of do something to wrap up the year so at the end of the year our 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 year end episode our new year episode is when we will announce our hall of fame it will be our hyperion adventure hall of fame episode right so our listeners are kind of like the media and Mm -hmm. professional people who get to vote exactly we want you all involved and this is going to be a lot of fun process a really fun process i think as we go through it so yeah so, and we'll be telling you more about that as we move on, but I just wanted to get you started. Now let's get to our main topic of the week. Thank and God. That is, I know, I, I ramble. What can I say? I ramble. No, I just say anxious for this topic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, let's get to our main topic of the week. And uh, that is this week, we've decided to focus on a couple things that we love. One, you know, we love Disney, mm-hmm. but it's a Disney podcast. We love Disney. If you've listened to this show for many episodes or even probably just one or two, you also probably know that we do enjoy a glass of wine here and there or, you know, more than here and there. Um, And we wanted to tie that both together because one of our favorite things to do when we go to the Disney resorts, the Disney parks, is check out the Disney family of wines. Right. And, uh, you know, I think we we got introduced to this at Disneyland's California Adventure Tasting Terrace, where we found out that they have this, and that it kind of opened up our eyes to that there are a lot of great wines associated with individuals linked to the Disney company, and we found that they were really 
amazing how these people have such passion for their wines mm-hmm. and it comes through in that. And so that made us more alert to the fact that there are other places other than the Tasting Terrace where you can enjoy Disney Family wines. Yes. So this is is going to be the first of our series of episodes uh, looking into these various wineries uh, that are tied in with the Disney Family in some way, shape, or form. Some are actually Disney Family members. Right. Some were executives within the company at some point. Uh, some were uh, some celebrities, some movie stars, TV stars that were involved in the Disney company at some point. And it, they decided they love wine and they wanted to work that into their oeuvre of things that they did. So, And th- many of these wines are really, really wonderful wines and some of our favorites. And today we're going to get to really one of our very, very favorites. Right. Um, but before we do that, we don't want anybody who's not into wines to think it's time to turn off this mm-hmm. podcast. Au contraire. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually are going to be giving you some great Disney history first and talking about the the winery that we're going to be talking about and why it is associated with Disney. We will talk about the wine at the, you know, as we move on, to, but it is not a focus only on wine. Yes, exactly. We're not going to just sit here for 15, 20 minutes just talking about Oh, the nose and the legs and they, you know, and, oh, it's it's very fruit forward. We'll only get that a little bit. Of <laughs> <laughs> we are going to actually get into the history of why these are part of the Disney family of wines and where they're involved. And we're going to start with one of our favorites. And if you ever catch me in a couple of these places we'll discuss later on um, sitting there, You'll probably see a glass of this wine in my hand quite often because it is a go-to favorite of mine. And that is Kurt Russell's Gogi Wines. Right. And so we want to talk about a little bit of how Kurt Russell, first of all, is tied in with Disney. And I'm sure a lot of you know this already. Um, But we just kind of want to go through some of the Disney history because I think... We like Disney history, and I think a lot of our listeners like Disney history. So um, to start off with, Kurt Russell, well, he was actually named a Disney legend. Mm-hmm. He is and, a Disney legend. Yeah, yes. in 1998. And that's because of his rich past with movies and TV appearances. Uh, in fact, at 15, he was cast in his first Disney picture, Follow Me Boys. Um, and he was starred along with another Disney legend, which was Fred McMurray, oh, which, which is, is awesome. a clue. Yes. For also something we'll be getting into at some point during a segment, <laughs> very similar to this one. Um, but actually um, it really kind of gave Walt Disney an opportunity to see Kurt Russell in action. And he really, you know, kind of took a shining to him and, actually signed him with an exclusive studio contract, making him a teen star of the 60s and the 70s. Yes, it was in many, many films going into, you know, a lot of the Disney live action films during that time, uh, Kurt Russell would, would pop up into. And then, of course, later he moved into many other action type films and really became a full blown movie star. He's moved in through the 80s and into the 90s. Right. Um, he also appeared in some Disney television shows. Uh, one of them was in 1970. Uh, he hosted The Wonderful World of Disney 
episode called Disneyland Showtime, and that is where he introduced viewers to one of the newest Disneyland attractions. Do you know what it was? Mm, I'm inquiring minds want to know. Yeah, all right. It was the Haunted Mansion that had uh, opened just August uh, the year prior, right? Heard of it. Right? So uh, that episode can actually still be found on YouTube, but beware, it's really hokey. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. There was, there was the wonderful world of Disney stuff that was hokey. I can imagine yeah, that. It never yeah. happened. <laughs> um, but later on in 1992, Kurt returned to Walt Disney Studios to star in a touchstone picture called Captain Ron. Mm, I, uh, Captain I Ron. know, right? That is a great one, as well as other Disney films. So um, before I get into my top three, anything else you want to add? No, that you've really summed it up really well. Disney legend uh, has been around the, the Disney family for since he was 15, like you said. Uh, just a huge name and a big part of Disney's history and continues to be to this day. And he you know, will show up at uh, several Disney events, you know, because he's just that tied in right. and appreciates what Disney did to for his career. So let's get to some of these films that you love. Right. right. And, and these are just I'm going to give. Well, I'm going to give my top three, but I will give an honorable mention. <laughs> oh, of course. In, Pure Hyperion Adventures <laughs> podcast tradition. Um, but, you know, and the reason we thought we'd bring this up is tying in with that Disney Plus is just a few weeks mm -hmm. away from starting and you'll be able to see some of these things on Disney Plus. So the honorable mention is one that we've actually talked about before. And that's why I really didn't want to get into it much here, which uh, Kurt Russell voiced Copper in the Fox and the Hound right. animated film. So that, I, I won't go into detail. We've talked about that in the past. So here are my top... Here's my detail on that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was in our Disney films that made us cry, right. for sure. Um, so my number three is called The One and Only Genuine Original Family Band. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's an uh, based on an autobiography by Lauren Bauer Van Nives. And... Um, Part of considering this film on my top list is not so much the story, albeit it's a cute story, but the cast, the history of the film, and it's the movie where Kurt and Goldie starred together, and it was her film debut. Mm. So it's kind of kind of cute. Secondary so. history there. Right, right. So Although they were not together for a long time after that. No, you know. no. Um, but anyways... The cast included Walter Brennan, Buddy Ebsen, John Davidson, Wally Cox, uh, Butch Patrick, he's Eddie from the Monsters, mm. and then Leslie Ann Warren, who, I mean, that girl is stunning, but she played an amazing Cinderella in a non-Disney <laughs> Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, TV movie. Mm. Um, so the, the, the history of this film is that the screen rights were purchased by Walt to be part of a two-part TV series. Um, but he gave the script to his legendary music team, the Sherman Brothers. Who? Never heard of I him. know, right? And they took a look at it and they reported back to Walt that this could become a full musical film. And obviously that delighted Walt. And, and it actually did become a great movie that came out. Yeah. But so um, it's, a, it's a fun little movie to watch. Like I said, it doesn't have the, it's not the greatest storyline <laughs> although it's cute and it is based on a historical event you know and it was interesting researching this to see how the sherman brothers approached developing the music for it one they wanted to have some individual different styles of music for each of the family members but also kind of 
was very reminiscent when we hear other Disney um, music experts who develop songs for their movies is that they really look into the history of that era or that area. And that's what the Sherman's brothers did as well. So mm-hmm. interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I remember I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I have seen it and it is, you know, just a cute film. It it's is a cute film. Nothing, you know, like it's not this groundbreaking award winning film, but right. it's, it's not Mary Poppins or no. like that, but it's no. this cute film. Right. 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 Um, so uh, number two is a much more recent film, and that is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Volume 2. Volume 2. That's right. Thank you. Um, nomenclature. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't think I need to talk too much about this. I think we're pretty familiar with it, but it is where uh, Quill's father, Ego, is um, revealed and that was played by Mr. Russell. Yeah, he does a great job in there, you know, <laughs> trying to be obviously Peter Quill's father for some of it. But then, you know, there's always this underlying tone right. to it and deviant. And then, you know, when, it, you know, obviously spoiler alert, but you know, when it turns <laughs> full on, uh, no, you know, it's all about me or whatever. It's just it's it's really well done by Kurt Russell and yeah, in, in part of an enjoyable film. Yeah. Uh, however, my number one movie where Kurt Russell starred was Miracle. Mm-hmm. And that's where he portrayed Herb Brooks, uh, the coach of the U.S. Olympic team. And um, if you're familiar with the story, it's, you know, one of those against all odds kind of story that the Team USA, you know, came out to a thrilling moment in our country's sports history and achieved the gold medal in 1980. So it's a very touching story. And even though you know the outcome because it's history, um, it is amazing to see how it unfolds. And honey, what is your thoughts about that movie? Because I think you, you know, being somebody who's also very involved in loving sports had a great connection with this. Yeah, I, I grew up l- loving the story of yeah, the miracle on ice, uh, the U.S. versus uh, the Soviet team, and you know the whole story around this ragtag bunch of college players playing against arguably the greatest hockey team of all time, you know, or at least that they were just dominating people, even dominating NHL all-stars at this point. It's an incredible story of coaching, and yeah, if you know anything about Herb Brooks and know how he adapted so well. It's one of the greatest coaching jobs uh, of all time, in my opinion. He, you know, he, this wasn't necessarily his style, what he did to bring this band of college hockey players that were rivals for much of their uh, hockey playing lives uh, together. And it's just an incredible job. Kurt Russell does a wonderful job of playing Herb Brooks. I, you know, I'm a little surprised almost that he didn't get receive some sort of award nomination sure, for it because right. I think he does. It's it's just phenomenal. There are a couple scenes that are just amazing. It's one of my favorite sports films of all time. And but I just I for one thing I just love the Miracle on Ice and there's so many parts of this that are are true to real life uh, things that happen. Right. So. Right. So. Anyways, that's my recap of films related to Kurt Russell and and some of our favorites. Yeah, feel free to let us know if there are any Kurt Russell films that are your favorites that we haven't hit here. I'm sure that there's, you know, a lot of the the computer wore tennis shoes. Right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So many great films that Kurt Russell was involved with Disney wise. And of course, uh, many great ones outside of Disney as well. I go back to Captain Ron. (laughs) I know. Captain Ron is is hilarious. That's one people should see. And it almost made my top three. 
so funny. Uh, anyway, so uh, moving on. So he decides that he wants to get involved. He's you know been a, a celebrity, a movie star for many years. He involved decides he wants to get involved in winemaking. It seems a little odd, you know, but he, here's what he came from him. This was a quote from him as to how he got interested in making wines. He said, uh, cycling past, quote, this is a quote, cycling past picturesque vineyards provided the opportunity to sample many terrific wines. Though sampling might be an understatement, <laughs> especially with Burgundian wines. They just, they didn't just steal my palate, they stole my heart, end quote. So mm. he, after going through Burgundy area in France, of course, right. he, you know, went through all these vineyards, learned to really love wine and got very involved in the winemaking process. So in 2008, he decided to set up this Gogi Wines. And I, you know, if you go to uh, the winery website, I love how he describes it. He, he actually writes like a very intimate kind of a letter. Um, but in it, he puts, uh, and I'm quoting him also, as luck would have it, an old friend of mine had been producing wines for quite a while out of the rather large and beautiful vineyard just over the hill in San Inez. So I decided to drop in on him and kick around the idea of possibly getting started producing wines. That old friend was Fess Parker. Another clue. Yes. <laughs> for yeah, future. future. Yeah. Um, sitting outside of the patio of Fess's place, sharing a bottle of wine, he said, Kurt, you don't just have a dream. You have a passion and you should pursue it. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just, you see, you know, you, you see some wineries that have, you know, a, a celebrity name or a big name that you may know attached right. to them. And a lot of times that's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I just kind of want to be involved. It's a part of this, you know, and I want my name on a bottle of wine or whatever the case may be. This is absolutely not the case right. with Kurt Russell. He wanted to know everything there was to know about making wines, you know, just like he gets really dives into acting. He wanted to dive into making wine. So he connected with uh, Peter and Rebecca Work, who own uh, Ampelos Cellars, also in the Santa Rita Hills over in the Santa Inez Valley area, uh, which is just outside of Santa Barbara, California, in case you're uh, curious as to where this kind of area is. It's not that far away from kind of in the, you know, before you get to Central California, right. outskirts of LA, Southern California. Um, Ampelos Winery, by the way, was the first triple certified sustainable organo, organic and biodynamic vineyard in the United States. So it's really wow. nicely well done one. And they are award-winning wines as well. So he kind of connected with them and he learned how to make wine from then. He, this is a more stuff uh, from straight from Kurt Russell. They, he says he, they questioned um, him right from the beginning, quote, now I've been on a lot of auditions in my life and it didn't take long for me to realize I was gently quote unquote grilled as <laughs> to the level of my true desire to become involved in producing fine wine. They weren't much interested in working with me if I just wanted to slap my name on a label. Turns out Peter and Rebecca rarely go to the movies or watch TV. <laughs> so all they really wanted, all they really knew about me was that I was a friend who wanted to start making wine. I made it through the interview suddenly, quietly, and at the grassiest and greenest roots, Gogi Wines was born, end quote. Nice. Yeah. 
So he also goes on to say, quote, the process of learning about making and producing fine wine followed quickly. I was issued a pair of clippers with a bucket (laughs) and pointed toward the vineyard. I promptly sliced my thumb, cutting the very first cluster of grapes I ever harvested. Not one to invite humiliation. I stifled my yelp and hid the bleeding appendage until I could don a (laughs) pair of field gloves and continued my education and quote <laughs> so right from the beginning like if uh, rebecca and peter work if they wanted him to be involved in this they wanted to know that he was not he was willing to put right. in the work and uh kurt was willing to put in the work going out i mean how many celebrities do you think would go out there in the fields cut their fingers and continue on uh you know going through and, right. and snipping the grapes and, and and learning more and more about this process right you could see that like you said just from the grassroots he wanted to know the whole process of how you go from the grape to uh an awesome bottle of wine. Yeah. So he's, he became very involved with this, worked with the works, and, <laughs> and uh, created this uh, wines kind of in combination with Ampelos there on their site. And uh, so we, now he's distributing these wines. They've developed many uh, over the years since 2008, and they're becoming better and better as he goes along. But he is fully entrenched in the winemaking process. He's there for harvest. He's there for blending day, you know, barreling day. He's even there, if you know anything about, especially the Pinot Noirs for uh, Gogi, they hand dip the top in wax, okay? And there are pictures on site, and, you know, maybe they're posed pictures, whatever the case may be. But he's talked about that's one of the toughest days is when they're hand dipping all these bottles in wax, but he feels it gives them a really elegant look. Uh, Yeah, it really does. I mean, you can tell, you know, um, when you're either reading about this or, you know, uh, we had an opportunity to to actually meet him um, that, you know, one, he is so involved, like you said, involved in this, so passionate about it. And it just really comes through it. His, you know, always wanting to strive to make it better, you know, and we've had wines that are, you know, they're fine wines, you you know, table wines or whatever you sit and have with a meal. This type of wine, this that he produces is much, much deeper than that. It's sexy and it is full of flavor and something that more of a of, of a shared experience mm-hmm. you know it's not something that you just want to open a bottle and just yeah have some snacks or whatever you want to actually be with somebody else and both having that shared experience mm-hmm. it is a boutique winery uh definitely uh, there's no question about it they only uh, put out so many uh, bottles a year, so many cases of wine a right. year. So uh, the, it, it, you won't find it in a lot of places. We'll get into that in a little bit right. here, but it is a very boutique winery. Uh, so, it, you know, you can't just go to most of your whatever wine stores nearby and, and find it there. You'll need to find them in specific places. Right. Uh, let's get back, get to some of the uh, varietals that he produces out of this winery. There's only a few of them, actually. It's, it's very limited. It's not like some of these wine that have a long list of different types of right. wine that they produce. He is focused on uh, a couple of very succinct uh, varietals. And let's start with the name right off the bat of the winery. Uh, many people, when you hear Gogi, 
uh, you think that, okay, that must mean Goldie because, of course, Goldie Hawn right. is his <laughs> long-time partner. You know, they have a really loving relationship. Um, uh, however, it doesn't refer to Goldie Hawn. As a matter. It, it's actually a nickname that his sisters gave him when he was a kid, <laughs> Gogi. So right. it, it's kind of cute in that regard. It is, it is. And uh, yeah, you're right. When we first heard of the wine, I think that was our natural natural instinct was it was kind of in reference to Goldie um, and it was interesting to find out that it was. And, and when you say his his partner, I'm telling you, to this day and age, he still adores her. Yeah. You can tell when he talks about her, it's as if they just fell in love a week ago. I mean, it is so impressive to hear him talk about her yeah. with such reverence uh, and love. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second here. But uh, going through the varietals, so th- there's really a couple things that he produces every single year. And that is a Chardonnay, which actually is named after Goldie, mm-hmm. um, the Goldie Chardonnay, which is if you find me in a wine bar <laughs> or a lounge or a restaurant that serves this wine will probably be what's in my hand because yes. I love the Gogi Chardonnay so very much. It's not cheap. It's it's a, it's a relatively expensive glass of wine, mm-hmm. but it is so wonderful. And it's it's one reason why I have it so much. One, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's delicious. Uh, but it's also because of the fact that I can't find it everywhere that when I do have the ability to get it, I usually will order it. Right. And like I said before, it's, it's one of those wines. It's not just something that you're just going to guzzle down or anything like that. It is something that when you're tasting it, you're just enjoying it. And that's why I always like to have it like with you or, you know, with somebody very special in my life that it's like, this is an experience. Mm -hmm. And I think too that, you know, I've read from him that he also feels that it is an experience that he is rendering to someone that it's something that he feels that although he's not going to be with the people tasting his wines, he wants them to have a wonderful experience right. with his wine. Showing more of the passion that he has in his wine. Here's my right. impression of the uh, the Gogi Chardonnay. Uh, for one thing about it is it's not your traditional Chardonnay. It's not like this really buttery, oaky Chardonnay, really, you know, kind of more of the strong Chardonnays that you may be used to. Uh, This actually drinks a little more like a Sauvignon Blanc. It's a Mm -hmm. little lighter on that. It's it's, really uh, very, as we were going to talk about earlier, very fruit forward. It's got a lot of kind of the, that, that, that shiny, uh, light, bright, uh, what you would think from a Sauvignon Blanc, you know, very acidic, a lot of uh, lime, a lot of citrus and everything. Mm -hmm. Yet it's a little bit bolder because it is a Chardonnay. So it's really got that nice balance of not being too heavy, but uh, really nice on a a summer day. Um, Just, you know, especially out at the parks. If you've been out in the parks, it's been warm. Uh, Really a nice glass of this is is really excellent. Great with seafood, uh, light pastas. It's really a, a wonderful, wonderful wine. Right. I mean, and it can hold up against some some spice too, some kick. Mm-hmm. It's really, really nice and it's my favorite. The other wine that they really make is a Pinot Noir. Now this he does different, you know, with the names of this, we talked about how the Chardonnay is named after Goldie Hawn. Right. Uh, the Pinot Noir, every every uh, vintage of the Pinot Noir, they name he nicknames it after somebody else in his 
family. Right. You know? So like this year's, well, it's 2015. It's the, the vintage that's out right now, currently. Uh, it's actually called Southpaw, and that's for his son. It's a nickname for his son, Oliver. Uh, so there are many different ones. If you go back to the various vintages, um, you know, tied into his sisters right. and the other bing. such. Yeah, uh, the Bing Bing. Um, there's many, many in regard to this. Uh, one thing about Pinot Noir, and it's it's... Really, if you know the Santa Barbara wine region at all, they specialize in their Pinot Noirs. It's the Santa Rita Hills and the Santa Inez Valley. Uh, They kind of have a cross between some really cool air that comes up from the ocean over Santa Barbara and just a little bit of warmth that comes there. So it really is a perfect place uh, to uh, have the, the Pinot Noir grape. Right. Uh, grow. If you think of the movie Sideways, that was shot uh, near in the Santa Barbara wine country. And you know how right. much a big deal Pinot Noir was in that film. That is the reason. That's why he focused so much on uh, the Pinot. And the Pinot that uh, they produce from Gogi is, again, another wonderfully fruit-forward wine. It's got some, It's really got some wonderful berry notes to it. You know, red berries and blackberries involved in there. Uh, really well-balanced, a little bit of acidity. Uh, it's just an excellent, excellent Pinot, one of the better Pinots, especially that you're going to find in the uh, in the Santa Rita uh, Hills. Right. And, you know, that's we love visiting that area of the country. Uh, like you said, it's not too, too far for us to go there, you know, just past L.A. So it's not trying to go as far away as Napa, but it, it does have some really wonderful it does have some really wonderful, rich Pinot Noirs that are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, some of our favorite wines, and we'll get actually into a few of those here in the coming weeks, uh, come from uh, Santa Barbara. And we have a trip planned out there actually for April of next year yeah. where we'll be kind of visiting a couple of these vineyards we're going to be talking about. Right. Uh, in there, so uh, so there, he does make one other varietal of wine. However, you will not find this no. wine anywhere. The other uh, varietal, sadly, yes, the other varietal that uh, he creates uh, is a Viognier, which, if you know Viognier, it's it's a kind of a, a very acidic white, um, you know, very light white mm-hmm. wine. Uh, it's named Lulu. Lulu is his mother. Okay, he only creates the Viognier for his mother because she loves Viognier. So that's why you cannot find it anywhere in any stores or any of the Disney resorts or wherever you normally find Gogi wines. Right. I mean, and again, that just, you know, goes to show not only the passion that he has for his wine, but his family and and such a family person. Um, We had an opportunity to taste this and it is amazing. I can understand why his mother loves it. I wish it was something we would have an opportunity. That was a very rare experience that we did get to taste it um, because it is genuinely fabulous. Yeah. So that there's only a couple places. Like I said, uh, we did this at a wine tasting at uh, Disney California Adventure Park at the uh, uh, the Disney California Food and Wine Festival right. in uh, April of 2017, I believe, is when we did this, and we got uh, that was there was three uh, wines that we got to right. taste, and they were the Chardonnay the Pinot Noir and the Viognier. Uh, so, you know, but that was a very special thing. And sometimes I think it pops up at some other wine tasting events, but it's extremely rare and you cannot purchase it. So just so you know, the Viognier, right. if you do get a chance to sample it, take advantage of that because it's a rare, rare experience. Yeah. I mean, and that was just for us 
an amazing experience as well because we had made the reservations to go for the tasting not knowing for sure who was going to be there representing the organization. And we've gone to several of these and, you know, a lot of times they'll either have a winemaker or somebody from their PR firm or, you know, we've gone to some, it's been family members or whatever, but this one was pretty special. Well, we went into it um, and we noticed like the day before that it was like the only of the wine seminars that was sold out. And we're like, right. Hmm. That's interesting. Why is this one sold out above some of the other ones? Then we get into this and you kind of line up early to get a good spot if you want to. You know, you can kind of straggle in there later and, you know, end up whatever table you you, you end up with. Right. But we wanted to kind of have a nice spot. We kind of, you know, don't mind waiting a little bit. Notice that there are several Club 30, people with Club 33 bags and Club 33 right. accoutrements going through the area. Kind of put two and two together that maybe they were kind of hinted at that something was going on there. Right. And we saw some security mm -hmm. people around. So sure enough, we go sit, you know, we're looking at it, we take pictures and we'll probably post a couple of these uh, on our website as a matter of fact from this. Um, and, you know, they announce who's going to come out and speak and out comes Kurt Russell I to know. speak to us. <laughs> Since we waited in line, we are front and center. Kurt Russell is less than five feet away right. from us talking to us. It was an incredible experience. Um, you know, like Michelle referenced, referenced earlier, one thing, or there's a couple things you get out when Kurt Russell was talking about uh, this wine and at this experience. One, he loves wine. Yes. He really has a passion for it. Again, it's not just lip service. He's not just putting his name in the bottle. Right. You could tell as he was describing this wine, he loves the entire process of creating this wine. Secondly, he loves Goldie yes. Hawn. He is so enamored with Goldie Hawn yes. to this day after many, many years of being together. They're not married, but they've been partners for so long and they love one another, at least for sure. I mean, we didn't hear Goldie speak, but right. he loves her so yes. much. Um, you also really could tell the family man that he was. And to me, this was really striking. I mean, here's somebody, he, he was raised in L.A. His dad was also an actor. He was a child actor. Um, and yet the groundedness he has in family is phenomenal. And like you said, he loves Goldie. He loves his kids. He loves his grandkids. I mean, even... Obviously, he loves his mom. He <laughs> makes a special wine <laughs> right. just for her. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, it is a, a mixed family and you would think that they were all raised together and that it is just such a loving environment. It was phenomenal. I know I'm saying that a lot. Um, but just really t to hear him say that and hear how he just loves them all and how he he shows that love through the wine. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. One of those Disney pixie magic experiences that you can only find at, at certain times. And uh, we lucked into it and for this wine tasting event. And, it, you know, it just struck a chord with us. And really, it... it, it, it it entrenched that uh, Kurt Russell is one of our favorite actors and, you know, definitely. And his wine Great is one person. of our favorite yeah. wines. And, yeah, it just, right. you know, we really appreciate how much he loves his family. Right. We were talking to um, a server at the Top of the World Lounge at uh, Bay Lake Towers. Mm -hmm. And she shared with us that um, Kurt Russell a couple years ago had come out to do, you know, um, some kind of an event at Disney World. And he actually got a lot of the servers and everything from the resort 
and actually took them into a room and did a tasting for them. I mean, just an all around, you know, warm, wonderful guy. So uh, very impressed with that and with him. Yeah, very impressed with him and uh, very impressed with his wine. So if you're looking for his wines, uh, you can find them. Now, often you can track them down at some of these uh, food and wine festivals. Like I didn't get to see if they were going on at the current food and wine festival Mm -hmm. that's going on at at Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. But often you'll find them there. Sometimes there are some winemaker dinners that you can find them if you want to go to one of those. Uh, They are often also within the uh, Disney California Adventure Food and Wine Festival, which usually takes place in March and April uh, of the year. Uh, So you can often find them there. However, if you want to look at a more regular basis someplace, and I don't have the whole list of where you can find them, but here are some key places that I know specifically you can find if you're looking for Gogi Wines when out at the Disney Parks and Resorts. Uh, At Walt Disney World, at Be Our Guest, they serve that. They serve it at Be Our Guest. So if you're going out for a meal there, you can have it there. Uh, of course, M- Michelle just mentioned the Top of the World Lounge. If you're a DVC member or know a DVC member, uh, they'd serve it there. If you right. s- catch us at the Top of the World Lounge, I usually have a glass of right. gogi in my hand when we're there. Also at Le Cellier, at uh, the Canada Pavilion right. at Epcot, uh, they serve gogi wines and many of the Disney family wines there as well. Over at the Disneyland Resort, uh, you, if you go into Carthay Circle, uh, right. the restaurant there, they serve uh, Disney family wines and gogi specifically there. Uh, the Alfresco Tasting Terrace, which is one of our favorite spots in Disneyland, especially right. Disney California Adventure Park, uh, is specifically Disney Family Wines, and they serve Gogi there as well. And I have heard, but I could not confirm it because I couldn't find the actual wine list that at Disneyland Hotel Steakhouse 55 also uh, serves Gogi wine there. Oh, I, yeah. I can't confirm that, but I've heard that. I read that somewhere, uh, so you could check that out. Maybe let me know if you if you've gone there and you've seen that on their menu. Right. You know, um, there are some distributors that might have some bottles um, that you could try to get through online, um, but. Go to one of the parks and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, if you do go up and decide to do some wine tasting in the Santa Barbara region, uh, you can go over to Los Alamos, and it's the uh, they have a, the um, a wine saloon is what it's called. It's inside of a hotel there, an old mm-hmm. classic, eighteen hundreds hotel, uh, and they have the wine saloon that specializes in uh, in. The yes, the the gogi wines, also the wine from uh, his stepdaughter Goldie's daughter right. uh, Kate Hudson has a winery that's uh, there as well, as well as the the uh, Ampelos Cellars, which you know, of course he's teamed up right. with uh, to to make these wine, and that's a, a place to stop in if you want to uh, check out some of these wines when you're in the Santa Barbara wine region. Yeah, which again we're planning to do. Yep, so. looking forward to checking that out when we're there. So that's our look at this week's edition of the Disney Family Wines Gogi Wine. Uh, we will have several more wineries to come in se- in the future months. You know, we won't be doing this like every week. You know, we're not going to run that through <laughs> six weeks of the street this. But every once in a while, we're going to drop one of these on you and uh, let you know, you know, why we love some of these Diddley family wines and why they're so important to the Disney history in general. Right. Well said. Well said. Uh, speaking of Disney history, let's move on to one of our favorite recent Disney films in history. Actually, it's a Pixar film, but Pixar Disney film. Right. And that is Coco. And last night we went out on a date night to go yeah. see Coco in concert with the San Diego Symphony out at Copley Symphony Hall. And uh, it was a really, really fun night. I think you'd agree, Michelle. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's always, well, one, it's always fun to see that movie. It's an amazing film. One of our film. favorite movies, I mean, yeah. even though seeing it over and over, it's still, you know, 
pulls into the, you know, the, all the emotions of family and, you know, connections, etc. Um, but then you throw on top of it the symphony and watching them playing the music as the film is running. It's just such a great experience. Yeah, it uh, was an excellent experience. Of course, the score is created by Michael Giacchino, who's done so many great mm-hmm. things. You may know him from uh, Star Wars. He did Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, uh, did the, okay. the soundtrack for that. But he's done so many great scores, and he did that as well uh, for this film. And uh, we also were benef- we got lucky enough to have uh, Frederico Ramos, who uh, played guitar on the actual soundtrack, right. as uh, he kind of joined in with the orchestra there with a couple guitar players because, yes. you know, there's very much guitar-specific music I- involved within this film. So uh, it was really a cool experience. We had the film in the background. We had the symphony in front of us playing. Uh, the interesting... And we had saw, you know, we saw some interesting things, difference to this, you know, as a few... A couple months ago, we went and saw the Empire Strikes Back in right. concert. And, you know, so that was the same thing, the symphony playing with the film. And there was a little difference in this and that. Uh, when you think of Star Wars, y- y- the music is so impactful. These songs are so impactful. So, whereas this seemed to me, and I don't know if you would agree with me, Michelle, mm-hmm. that it was more, a lot of the music in the background, not that there wasn't great songs, but a lot of the, what the uh, symphony was playing was kind of mood-setting things. You know, right. There were a lot of minor chords yeah. <laughs> or when things were kind of scary or sad right, right. And, uh, major chords when things were happening you know yes. that were really really brightening up the thing and um it was just kind of interesting to see and also there was you know just some sounds to kind of you know that there were frightening moments for uh, miguel and for what right. was happening you know and it's like just some of the the things that would kind of just create that tension just with some light sounds from true. the orchestra true right. and and watching them perform you know especially like the, the strings at that time and you know it just added a, another depth to the storyline so it, it was really an interesting experience different than what we've experienced before in seeing some of these in concert mm-hmm. uh it, it was really cool really enjoyed it and that film is so great it was also great seeing it we've watched it you know so many times at home now uh, it was great seeing it with a, a an audience again and right. hearing people laugh at the funny parts right yeah you know cheering at certain parts and you know booing the bad guys and you know it was just it was kind of that kind of yes. fun again to be in a crowd we get so entrenched in being home and watching these films sometimes it's fun to revisit them you know in a full theater with with people who enjoyed the films as well that's a great point it was also fun to see kids and little kids there um you know some dressed up some not um dressed up in costumes i should say um but it also was great to see them being introduced to you know the symphony and and what that can bring to a movie and how it brings life to a movie. Yeah. Well, there was actually a, a troop or a small troop of uh, Girl Scouts and right. brownies that were there and they were all, you know, in makeup and they had the little, the hair bows and flowers right. and stuff up there. And uh, they were experiencing uh, this event and they actually went up near the stage and one of the cello players actually came up to them. This was before as they were warming up right. and just brought this cello up there and was just kind of uh, showing them the, you know, uh, how it works, what, it, what the sound it makes, you know, and where it could be found. And it was just a really cool moment. I thought uh, before the, 
the film and the uh, you know the, the concert actually even began. Right. It was actually really adorable to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it was just really cool, and I was glad to see you know another way for kids to be involved in the symphony and uh, just an exciting date night. We had a lot of fun. Went out to dinner, went to the show, and just had a, a really nice night. And uh, I'm excited for all of those of you who are getting to go here in a little over, I guess a little over a week to go see the Coco and concert at the Hollywood Bowl, right. which is, this was cool. It's going to be amazing when you're going to get all those actors out there and, and the people who actually performed on the film singing the roles yes. as well, just like we did with the Nightmare Before Christmas last year at the Hollywood Bowl. Right. Uh, really excited for you. We would have liked to have gone and just so you bought these tickets ahead of that. Right. So it's like we can't justify doing doing both events. Right. So, Plus we have something going on that weekend right. too. So it, that kind of cinched it for us that we won't be able to see the one at the Hollywood Bowl. But I agree with you. That one's going to be pretty amazing. And if you're interested, it's still available too that there were tickets. Um, I, I was looking the day before yesterday and there were still a fair amount of tickets. So. Oh, interesting. You so know, yeah. Some in the uh, box area it, it, and some not. If you're in and around or you can get to the Southern California area um, during that weekend, I think it's like the 7th and 8th or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, go check it out because uh, one, a Hollywood Bowl is just historic and you know an interesting spot to right. see anything. But also, you know, this it, it's going to be a phenomenal, something you're always going to remember. We'll always remember seeing The Nightmare Before Christmas live. Right. Uh, if you go to this, I think you'll probably always remember it. So definitely go check it out. I would agree with that recommendation. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's it for our main topics of the week. Let's get to our Disney stories of the week, however. And uh, probably the biggest story of this week, it really came early on, was uh, that, uh, of course, Monday night. We talked about it all episode long last time that... Uh, uh, we had the final trailer for Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. It's an instinct. <laughs> Feeling. The Force brought us together. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. Long have I waited. And now, What are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny.
just an absolute wow <laughs> of a trailer when it debuted. Um, yeah. It just really took me aback. Uh, I'm still emotional about it to this day. It's been almost a week <laughs> since it came out. By the time you're hearing this, it's been about a week since it came out, probably. Right. Uh, just an incredible, credible trailer. Oh, yeah, totally. It was really riveting, um, kind of on the edge of your seat kind mm-hmm. of trailer. Emotional. Uh, yes. I may have brought a couple tears to my eyes. That never happens. But <laughs> um, and it's just really exciting. And it's so can't wait. We got our tickets. We're ready to go. We actually had to get our tickets for Orlando because it's debuting when we're going to be out on, at Walt Disney <laughs> World Resort. So it's going to be our first time experiencing it at uh, the AMC and Disney Springs. Right, right. Uh, but we got our tickets and we're so very excited about it. And by the way, I I, br- I sat down with Rob LaBerry from the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, who of course joins this show quite often. Mm-hmm. And we broke down the trailer. So you might want to go, if you if you want to hear our breakdown of the trailer, uh, feel free to go uh, check out his site and, and download that episode because uh, we really had a lot of fun, you know, yeah. overthinking <laughs> that, that trailer. As we tend to do from time to time. <laughs> and even though Michelle wasn't part of that episode, uh, I brought up some of the things that she... Uh, kind of added into the, to the uh, the storyline as well that she picked out of the trailer that I didn't see the first time through. So yeah, very cool. Cool. Very cool. Anyway, so the the trailer debuted, and I uh, we told you we got tickets. Well, so did a lot of other people. Uh, this out of Deadline dot com, Fandango reports that in the opening hours of Disney's Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker going on sale, the pick sold more tickets than any other Star Wars movie on Fandango, surpassing Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker has also turned out to be the second best first day seller of mobile ticket a retailer, Adam Tickets, just behind uh, this year's Avengers Endgame. That movie literally shut down many exhibitors to online ticket sites during their first day of sales back in April. So, uh, so far, it sounds like uh, the sale, the ticket sales for the Rise of Skywalker are, are moving along pretty briskly, and it looks like it's going to have a monster, monster opening weekend. Right. You can you can really sense that there's a lot of excitement with fans on this film. I mean, and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, ending the Skywalker saga. Um, you know it, that JJ's back into it, and I think there's a million other reasons why fans are very much excited, but you can really sense it already. You can sense the excitement for this film coming out. Right. I I think for the most part of the fandom, there are still those, those, I'm not even going to get into it, but there are still people out there that um, (laughs) still want to kind of, you know, rip whatever's going on. It doesn't matter what happens within Star Wars right now. But I think the most part of the fandom is really excited for this and can't wait to see this film uh, and, and, and find out what happens at the end of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I mean, just if you're following on social t- social media, then you really... That's what I see most of is a lot of positivity, a lot of excitement, you know, anticipation, ready to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's great to to see that. Agreed. So can't wait for that. Uh, Speaking of the rise of Skywalker, it was announced just this week that Star Tours, the adventures continue, will soon be traveling to destinations based on the film as well. We thought that that was going to happen. Well, they confirmed it this week. This from the Disney Parks blog. We know that many of you are as excited as we are about the December 20th film launch of Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker. Today, we are equally excited to announce that on the same December date, Star Tours, the adventures continue, will be adding new destinations inspired by the latest episode of the Star Wars saga at Disneyland Resort, Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland Paris, and 
Tokyo Disney Resort. So interesting thing about this is we told you we got the tickets. We're going to be in Orlando for this time. We got the tickets to go see it on because it just kind of worked into our schedule better than rather than seeing it on the 19th, the Thursday night. It worked out better for us to go on the Friday, Saturday morning, the 20th. So we are going out and that day and then we had already planned out we we got our fast pass plus uh selections secured uh earlier the week before and we had just planned like michelle had planned out well this is going to be the day one of our days that we're going to do disney's hollywood studios right and it just so happened that when we did the fast pass plus selections we just happened to choose as our very first fast pass plus selection Star Tours, the adventures <laughs> continue. So we will be going directly from the film into the park onto Star Tours and experiencing that. What wonderful and amazing timing. I know. Michelle, good job planning this. That was very well done. I wish I could take credit, but I'm so super psyched that it worked out that way. Yeah, that's really exciting. And it also tells you that the fact that they're releasing that at Star Tours on the 20th after the film has debuted, there must be some sort of spoilers involved in this because, I yeah, I, I, there have to be because otherwise, why wouldn't you promote it? From I mean, we, they did that with Last Jedi with The Force Awakens, they were doing those at Star Tours weeks ahead of actually the film coming out to kind of promote it. Uh, You know, because there weren't really any significant spoilers involved in in those parts. There must be some significant spoilers involved in this or at least some sort of spoilers that they want to delay it until the film actually arrives. Right, yeah. That to makes me, sense. Yeah. at least that's what I thought. Uh, one other interesting note uh, from this story from uh, Disney Parks blog, and it just it just for us Star Wars nerds out there that were questioning some things about the trailer, uh, they said that uh, in the trailers for Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker, you caught glimpses of the ocean moon Kef Beer. Okay, we were questioning on whether where the Death Star had crash landed on. Most right. of us assumed that it was on Endor because it was above Endor during Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. So this must be Endor. Apparently, it had crashed on a different moon. There's the forest moon of Endor. Apparently, there's also the ocean moon of Kef Beer. So it was just an interesting little tidbit that they threw right. into this you know, this story. Right. Yes. Um, you know, so that's kind of fascinating. And, and they do say that the, the star speeders will be heading there soon. Wow. So, that's it for my Disney stories of the week. However, I believe that Michelle has a Disney story of the week for us. I, I do. And actually, it's also Star Wars themed. Nice. <laughs> I know. Um, for those of you who are traveling to a galaxy far, far away, you can soon begin to have your trip with a stellar launch. Ooh. I actually wrote that. <laughs> That's really well done. Really? I thought that was right out of the PR. That's nice. I mean, I took parts. I, I shouldn't take credit. Maybe we edit that out. Yeah, that was very nice. I like that. Um, but in, in actually, the original announcements of this news story came out several months ago, but it's happening now. It's starting to happen now. It, it, that's with United Airlines that they have... Um, come together with Disney to promote the film. And one of the ways is having a Star Wars-themed in-flight instructions and it interplays with Star Wars characters. Yeah. Um, so you may have already seen this online. If not, you might want to check it out. It's pretty fun. Um, and I, I actually thought they did a great job. So it um, has obviously for the real safety parts of it, it has regular United Airlines people talking about 
uh, what to do in case of an emergency. But they do intersperse, as I mentioned, some things related to the Star Wars film. We have a little sound from that. I'll give you this little piece of it. Not the whole thing, but I'll give you a little piece of it here. We're celebrating the release of Star Wars, the rise of Skywalker, with fans all over the world. Welcome. We're excited to have you aboard, and we appreciate your attention as we demonstrate the safety features of this aircraft. At United, we're connecting people, uniting the galaxy, and doing it safely. From all of us, thank you, and enjoy your flight. Do have a pleasant flight and may the force be with you. <laughs> That's just kind of the beginning and the end of it. There's also the whole, I didn't go through the whole safety spiel, pre-flight right. safety spiel that you have in there, but there's lots of Star Wars in, interspersed with it. Yes. Um, we're going to put the link on to where you, if you want to find the whole video, or if you're lucky enough to be flying United sometime soon, you'll be able to check it out for yourself and, and when you're heading out to Walt Disney World or right. whatever the case I mean, be. it's really cute. Uh, I actually, I, I'm no surprise there, I teared up when I saw <laughs> it, but um, you know, I, I like how, you know, United was always, you know, had the theme, Fly the Friendly Sky, so here it's titled Fly the Friendly Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um but it, and it crossed my mind. It's probably one of the few times that you're going to see one of the you know see the seasoned travelers actually watch right. the safety video. You know, normally people are pretty checked out for that. Um, but it was also interesting that Doug Chang, the vice president and executive creative director for Lucasfilms, was brought in uh, to work with the United Designers to create a cover for one of their 737s. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what Doug said. He said, approaching the design for the United Airlines was unlike anything I've ever done before. And he said that I typically design for a flat screen when I design for films. An airplane's fuselage presented a broad and exciting canvas. We leverage the curve of the fuselage to give the impression of three-dimensionality, he said. Mm. And he said, by placing the main X-wing and TIE fighters on the broadest area of the, of the aircraft, it gave the impression that the spaceships were spatially coming out towards the viewer. And then two smaller spaceships were placed on the upper and lower edges of the fuselage to reinforce this perspective. So this result... The resulting illusion is one of the false dimensions, like a classic trompe-l'oeil painting where the imagery seems to jump out of the canvas. So kind of interesting. Um, and, and again, you can find images of that um, plane cover on online. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um, so according to United, the Star Wars plane will fly in North America, which is including U.S. and Canada, Central America, and the Caribbean. Its tail number is N36272. Uh, and I looked online, and that plane actually did come to San Diego in October. Oh, really? Of course, that was before. It's, it's, uh, I think it's being done now, uh, or, mm. pa- you know, finally painted now. Um, but anyways... I, may show back up in San Diego for us to yeah, see. It's so. exciting. Yeah. Uh, we don't normally fly United, but it's tempting because of just for, for right. this alone. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of interesting. And uh, boy, the, the luck of the draw, if you were to get, uh, you know, be able to fly on that, on that plane. plane. Yeah. So, yeah. so beautiful. Even if you just get to see it, if you're, you know, in one At of the, the airports. Airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool. And, uh, you know, good on United to, to tie in for this and, uh, you know, and being very creative with it. That's a lot of fun. Right. So. Yeah. 
pretty cool. So that's it for our Disney stories of the week. However, we never leave you without giving you some sort of tip that might help you on your next vacation, whether it be to the Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland Resort, Disney Cruise Line, Run Disney, whatever the case may be, we like to give you some sort of tip that might help you on your next trip. And we always start with Michelle. One, because she's awesome, wonderful, <laughs> intelligent, just gorgeous, and everybody Aww, loves her, but so also sweet. because she has the very, very best tip. So let's get right to it. Here is Michelle's tip of the week. Oh, well, thank you, my love. Um, so this kind of is a little bit of a continuation of a tip that I've given in the past. And we've talked about traveling to the Disney parks with somebody who has um, a disability of some sort. And, you know, we've talked about how you can go to guest services and, and see how they can help facilitate, make that day or that trip the best it can be for anyone with a different type of disability. Um, what I didn't realize before is they actually have some planning information uh, that they provide in a PDF file that you can download and it gives you a ton of information. Um, they have it for both Disney World and Disneyland. Uh, one of them, it's, it's actually called Planning a Trip to the Disneyland Resort, a resource, yeah, a resource for guests with cognitive disabilities, including autism spectrum disorder. And um, it really gives you a lot of information about, you know, some things to consider when planning, you know, even simple tips like purchase your tickets in advance so you're not in a line for that, you know, um, how do you access getting information when you get to the park? It gives listing of locations that are like quiet spots in the park. If, if you need to bring somebody there for, you know, some downtime, you know, obviously, and we've talked about that in the past, you can go to a first aid station. Um, but there are also some outdoor areas that are a little bit quieter, a little more secluded that, that work for that. And then there's a second PDF file that they put out that it's called Attraction Details for Guests with Cognitive Disabilities. And again, it has it for both parks. And what's really cool in this is it lists all of the attractions and then it describes in there like it, it, it just tells it has things like does it have scents and smells, flashing lights, loud noises, periods of darkness, bumps, fast, lifts off ground, wet, element of surprise, type of restraint, amount of time. So it really, and it tells for each of the attractions what is potentially, you know, some of these things. That, that could be concerning to somebody right, that has right. a, an and issue. Yeah. So it can really help you if you haven't been to a Disney park before or if you haven't experienced all of the attractions to take a look at this and say, is this something that we can plan on, you know, or plan to do? Or, and I, I just thought those are wonderful. They're, they're really cute and pretty. You can print them up or you can just look at them online. But I thought, what a wonderful resource to be able to tap in on. And we can include the links in our... Yeah, uh, we definitely will. Uh, yeah, that's great. I, I love that they break it down so uh, well defined, you know, into all the different possibilities of what could be, you know, bothering to somebody who is going through these different uh, portions of a, any attraction. I, right. It's, it's it's good to know going in. It's good to. It's always good to have the information ahead of time, you know, so you don't run into a situation uh, aboard the attraction. Right. And and we've you know we've gone with our son who you know as we've mentioned he has Down syndrome. He does have autism, um, and it actually 
gave me some pointers that I hadn't thought of before, especially in terms of areas to go for downtime. Yeah, that's good. That's important. Yeah. Good to know. Michelle's tip, always the best tip. <laughs> and if you sign up on our uh, for our newsletter, we can also send we'll you that link. there as well. Yes, absolutely. For sure. For sure. Well, let's get to my tip of the week. And my tip is actually kind of a rehash of something I've done in the past as well. As a matter of fact, we had pretty much an entire episode uh, based on this. But this week, it's the return of the Run Disney season. The Wine and Dine Half Marathon weekend is coming up this coming weekend. Nice. So uh, good luck to all of you out there who yeah. are heading out for that wonderful event. Uh, I know you're going to have a blast, have a great time, but I just wanted to go over a few quick tips if this is your first uh, Run Disney event or if you've uh, done it a couple times but just kind of need to brush up on some things. We have an entire episode. We did the 10 Run Disney Race Day Commandments about almost exactly a year ago. I, I tweeted it out <laughs> this last week. Um, I'll probably put another link in uh, you know, our our, our show notes as well uh, if you want to find that one or you can just go back to our, our archives and, and find that episode but there are you know there are some uh, a lot of things laid out into how you might want to approach race day but here's just some quick things just to kind of run through it for you uh, first thing I want you to know is that uh, you need to know the information on transportation to race day uh, when you get there you can easily do that when you go check in at your resort a lot of times they'll have the information right there available for you sometimes they'll have signs posted sometimes they'll have the information right there at the uh, guest services desk at the front desk. Uh, find out the, you know, when the buses are running, how th is the best way to get to your race day because these things are very, very early in the morning and you have to get there right. even earlier than that you know, because uh, let's face it, you know, getting from around from the Walt Disney World Resort uh, is a little tricky at times. Right. So you kind of want to know your uh, transportation going into it, know when you need to be awake, know, know when you need to be out and, and ready to catch a bus to get to your corral. Uh, secondly, um, when you're leading up to your days before your event, uh, this is something I, I will say all the time for everybody going to the parks, but definitely for when you're about getting ready to do a run Disney race. Hydrate. Please hydrate as much as possible while you're out there, especially if you're at the Walt Disney World Resort and it's hot and humid. Uh, you will want to have this kind of storage of water within your body, no matter what distance race you're going, but especially if you're going to the longer races. Also, don't overdo it at the parks ahead of your race, especially if it's a stretch distance for you. If, you, if you're used to running and half marathons and you're running a 5k you could probably do a little more at the parks however if you're doing a 10k and haven't done a lot of them or if you're doing the half marathon and you know really you know that is a stretch for anybody in my regards um you probably should wait on you know, hitting the parks full force ahead of time. Do that afterwards. Enjoy your parks, you know, time after your race more. You don't want to, you know, you can walk for miles and miles and miles through the parks. Don't waste the energy right. on your legs before you actually get to race time. And that also goes for don't over imbibe with alcohol or whatever. I mean, I know it's the food and wine festival and everything, right. you know, be smart about it before you go into race day. You can always celebrate with plenty of time at the food and wine festival after your race is done. Uh, as far as the night before your run, be sure and set out all your gear that you plan on bringing with you 
the night before, especially if you're going to be uh, staying in a resort hotel or whatever the case may be with some people that aren't necessarily getting up and running with you. <laughs> the last thing you want to do is be waking up your family as you're trying to find that sock or, or, or find your headphones or whatever the case may be. So Definitely you're ready in the dark. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have it all set out in one easy to find place at a time. And also be sure that anything that you have electronically that you're going to be using, whether it be your phone, uh, running watch, headphones, whatever the case may be, make sure they're charged up fully uh, before you go out. You, the last thing you want to do is hit mile eight on your half marathon and have your music die out on right. you or whatever. You can't take pictures or whatever the case may be. Uh, when you get out to the race day, look, it's going to be a lot of hurry up and wait. So be prepared for that. There's a lot of that depending on where you placed in what corral you're in. You're going to have to get there early, but you're going to be waiting a long time. Try and stay warm as much as possible as far as warming up your body. Stretch, you know, do a little light running, whatever the case may be. Keep your body warmed up so it's ready to go when it's race time um, starts. Uh, when you're on the course yourself, pace yourself. It's a long race. Don't, you know, bolt out to, to begin with if you can help it. You know, you can always run faster later on if you feel like you have the energy, but start off slowly and gradually build up as you find you have the energy to finish your race. And finally, just have fun. Have a good time. Right. You're paying a lot of money. You're running through the Disney parks. It's like no other running experience in the world. Uh, take advantage of it. Have a good time. Take pictures. Enjoy yourself. It's probably not the best time to try and set a PR. If you want to do that, if you do it, great. But it's probably not what your goal should be. Your goal should be to have a good time running through the Disney parks. Well said. Thank you. So that's it uh, that for this week. Uh, let's move on. Next week, we are going to be looking forward, I believe, to Disney Plus coming out. Uh, yes. We are going to be less than two weeks out by the time our next episode hits. So I think we're going to look at some of the things we're excited to watch on Disney Plus. Right. And we want to hear from you all, too, what some of the, the top things that you are going to want to see when that uh, wonderful day rolls on. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. I can't believe it's almost here. We've been building up for it for so long, and now it's just about to be stuck where we're going to shut ourselves into the house and just watch everything there is to watch on <laughs> Disney+, Plus, and we're very excited uh, to do that. So uh, we appreciate you joining us today. In the future, uh, please find us, well, most everywhere you get podcasts, but the best place, however, to find us is HyperionAdventuresPodcast.com. And while you're there, uh, please sign up uh, for our newsletter so we can get some of this information out to you if you want the questions for the questions quiz don't forget today's code word is ego the code word is ego good remembering i was just about to say it yeah. awesome <laughs> uh but we do want to give this away and we want you to be involved in this and we have a lot of other fun things going on and please follow us on social media as well or on twitter at hyperion podcast facebook instagram and pinterest at hyperion adventures podcast and you can always email us for any reason at hyperion adventures podcast at gmail.com and please tell a friend about our podcast. We really appreciate it. And we are awesome. And we really love that you are awesome Hyperion Adventures. Yes, you are our Hyperion Adventure family. We love you all. And uh, if you get a chance, please leave us a review. Again, that gets you another entry into our weekly giveaways. But also it just helps us know uh, how we're doing as a show. So uh, right. a review would be very, very helpful. So thanks again for listening to the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time with you again next week. But until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.